We've never acknowledged the name of this podcast. Oh, like like the background, the history? Yeah, because you sort of pitched it like butter no parsnips is a phrase people will have heard, and I don't yeah. think it is. <laughs> you don't you don't think people walk around butter and parsnips saying that phrase? Uh, no. Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Every week on Butter No Parsnips, your hosts Kyle Imperator and Emily Moyers take you on an adventure through the weird, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. Um, I built a rocket ship today. All right. Oh, shoot. Kyle, I forgot we're doing a podcast. Oh, gosh darn it. Well, in that case, welcome, everybody, to Butter No Parsnips. Welcome. Nice to see you uh, with your our ears. <laughs> see you with our ears, <laughs> yeah. as we do each and every week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Emily. I'm Kyle. And Kyle, as I understand it, you have prepared a word. That I have. And it's a word that I don't know, but I'm excited to hear about. I'm excited to tell you about it. Do you want to hear what the word is this week, Emily? I do want to hear what the word is. Okay. It may sound familiar, but I can assure you it's probably not. Okay. The word is picnic. Picnic. P-Y-K-N-I-C. Oh, picnic. <laughs> picnic. With a Y-K. Yep. And that's not just the way that, like, dubstep artists spell it. <laughs> well, it is, but that is not what the definition I'm going for that's today is. what this is. word means. Yeah. Oh my gosh, picnic. Can you give me, like, a, a language of origin? I can. It is, like many words in our English lexicon, it is Greek. It is Greek. That mm -hmm. makes sense. I could see that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I I'll tell you that it can be used as an adjective or as a noun. An adjective or as a noun. So you could say a picnic or a picnic blanket. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could say a picnic blanket in, I guess, three different ways now. Gosh. So this is a word that describes people. A word that describes, so, so picnic, a picnic person mm -hmm. or just a picnic. Mm-hmm. But if you say a picnic, does it essentially mean a person or does it refer to a, yeah. a thing in and of itself? You know, it means it means a person that, like you that could say like ad adjective, like a stoic or a stoic person. Yes, exactly. Got it. I'm going to say a, a picnic person yeah, mm -hmm. is someone who enjoys the outdoors. That was low hanging fruit. That is low hanging fruit. Uh, cute. Really cute. Um, Thanks. <laughs> uh, no, that is not that is not what it is. Boy, this is a toughie. <laughs> I'm going to make one more guess. Take one more guess up. and then we'll uh, All right. reveal. All right. A picnic person mm -hmm. is someone who has memorized vast amounts of knowledge. Oh, that's an adjective. <laughs> yeah, like a very studious person. A okay, very studious. Gotcha. I don't know. No, I'm grasping that, at straws. But I'm going to tell you what it means, okay? Tell me what it means. I'll tell you what it means, what it really, really means. <laughs> uh, so picnic as an adjective means having a short, stocky physique. 
Oh. Yeah, characterized by shortness of stature, broadness of girth, and powerful muscularity. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And so, as as a noun, a person of the picnic type would have that definition. Right. Yeah. That's so fascinating. So, like, what is the context of this word coming about? So, it comes from the ancient Greek word puknos, meaning thick. Oh. Yeah. It's a really interesting <laughs> word thick there. Thick with, with two Cs? Yeah, thick with, actually, like, I think, like, ten Cs, frankly. Wow. And its first known use comes from a 1921 book called Körperbau und Charakter, or Physique and Character in English. It's a German so, book. So it comes from ancient Greek, but the English word didn't come about until 1921? The English word is a creation by the man who wrote Körperbau und Charakter. So it he used the Greek to come up with this word. Uh, interesting. We don't often get a recent word. I Right? I thought that was interesting. That is so fun. Yeah. So tell me about this book. So Physique and Character was written by a German psychiatrist named Ernst Kretschmer. Ernst Kretschmer. Kretschmer. Tell me about Ernst. Yeah, I'll tell you about Ernst. He is... He sounds like a man who is, <laughs> just based on his name, he sounds like he is permanently clenched. Clenchmer. <laughs> Clenchmer. Yeah, and his butt cheeks are always clenched. Always pinched. So he's most well known for his body type classification system that he discusses <laughs> in the book Physique and Character. You must be clenching always. Yes, always clenching, please. Always be clenching. <laughs> ABC, always be clenching. Always be clenching. <laughs> so he describes in his book four different body types. Picnic is one of them, meaning fat, fatter people. Another one is asthenic, meaning thin people. Another is athletic, meaning muscular people. And the last is dysplastic, which is <laughs> unproportionate people, which is basically everybody else that he couldn't fit into a type. Right, that doesn't fit into yeah. these three very narrow, <laughs> very narrow. categories. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Displastic. Displastic, yeah. Is that... It's, it sounds really <laughs> negative, and I don't know why. You know, I like to think that you could use any of these as a really passive-aggressive insult. <laughs> you know? Like, oh, yeah. you're looking displastic today. <laughs> Ooh, I think that's just aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you're right. I don't know that there's much that's <laughs> passive about it. <laughs> so, this is a passage from Physique and Character on how he describes picnic people, okay? Uh-huh. He says, The picnic type, in the height of its perfection in middle age, is characterized by the pronounced peripheral development of the body cavities, head, breast, and stomach, and a tendency to a distribution of fat about the trunk with a more graceful construction of the motor apparatus, shoulders, and extremities. He continues on, the rough impression in well-developed cases is very distinctive. Middle height, rounded figure, a soft, broad face on a short, massive neck sitting between <laughs> the shoulders. The magnificent <laughs> fat paunch protrudes from the deep vaulted chest, which broadens <laughs> out towards the lower part of the body. But, like, he uses words like magnificent. magnificent. So it's like, it's not necessarily insulting. No, I mean, it's almost like in awe. He's... 
sort of trying to bring a, a sense of beauty about it. He describes his methodology in the book on how he like figured these things out. And he argues that one must first rely on precise, simple verbal descriptions that can be observed quickly at a glance or with but a few touches. So, <laughs> so he's saying like, his methodology is we had people go in a room and take a look and say, that guy's fat. <laughs> that guy's thin. Oh, he's got muscles. And, and anyone who hesitated for more than a second was like, oh, that guy's dysplastic. Yeah, yes, literally that. And then he said, well, well, we also took very specific measurements in hopes to back up those like things sure. that we noticed with it. But th But he was very fervent about it's got to be really like you it's what you see that is what a person is man early psychiatry and psychology was fucked up a I little mean, bit emily <laughs> the more that i read about this the more i'm like this is all gaga doo-doo nonsense right <laughs> this is all excuse me sir <laughs> with the greatest respect i view your works as a load of gaga doo-doo nonsense gaga doo-doo nonsense <laughs> <laughs> He even states, like, he's like, oh, we only, like, this is only, like, a small section of people in an area of Germany that we studied. And and women aren't our focus, so we did study <laughs> them. but they, they never are. <laughs> yeah. He's like, they only, like, kind of fit in with what we came up with. I was like, okay. <laughs> we, don't, we don't really know what to do about women. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're there. Sometimes they fit they, in. Whatever. They, they confuse us in all facets really yeah so the other types he describes asthenic as a deficiency in thickness combined with an average unlessened length which is just a crazy way to say somebody's thin and tall unlessened length <laughs> yeah yeah that that sort of makes it sound like people who are average height are because they've like chopped the end of their yeah. legs off <laughs> yeah yeah oh you lessened your length like cutting your hair like. yeah <laughs> 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 and then he describes the athletic type as someone who is recognized by the strong development of the skeleton, the musculature, and also the skin. Whatever that possibly means. I think it's just the muscles, dude. <laughs> I, nope. Strong never, skeleton and skin development. <laughs> never looked at a bodybuilder and thought, oh man, he's got strong skin and how would you even, like, look at somebody and say, like, immediately, like, oh, that guy's got strong skin? Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so he goes through some lengths in his introductory passage to say that they do not use this information to determine what is normal or abnormal. And he says that none of these body types is any more healthier than the other. They all have their own associated health risks. Sure. Which yeah, is, I mean, from from the language he's using, it's it's sort of he's sort of making them sound all abnormal in different yeah, ways. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Maybe he's just fascinated with how ununiform, I guess, society is <laughs> by putting it into a uniform system. Right. Yeah. So he associated these body types with personality types, and to a greater oh. extent, specific mental disorders. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, for example, he believed picnic types were sociable and dependent on interpersonal relationships, whereas asthenic types were generally seen to be shy and introverted and stuff like that. 
Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think correct, but interesting. I mean, definitely not correct. <laughs> Absolutely not. All of this has been proven false. Absolutely. But you are correct that you're that you're noticing that there. <laughs> He he bases this on a theory that was popularized by a German psychiatrist named Emil Kraepelin. Kraepelin. And the theory is called the Kraepelinian dichotomy. And it basically, it's an early uh, psychiatric theory that divided psychoses into two major concepts. One being dementia praecox, which now is called schizophrenia. And the other was manic depressive psychosis, which now we call bipolar disorder. It was the what dichotomy? The Kraepelinian dichotomy. Kraepelinian. Yeah. That's my new favorite adjective I've ever heard. It sounds like a pastry. <laughs> So he he goes on to describe people, physical people that he's studied and describing their temperaments. It's hard to tell what any of these descriptions have to do with science, which you'll see because <laughs> we're going to go through some of one of the descriptions. And it's like really specific. And it's like, what does this have to do with anything that we've learned here in this book? Um, <laughs> so. I yeah, love that. Wait, yeah, you're going to be excited. So this is he for the quiet, contented type. He describes a retired tax collector named Franz Xavier Wurzner. And to go through this section, Emily, we're going to role play a day in the life of Herr Wurzner. Okay. Herr Wurzner, the retired tax, tax collector? collector. Yeah. So what's going to happen is I'm going to describe things that he does in a day. And I want you to, you know, respond as Herr Wurzner. You know, I want you to All talk, right. be doing. And then I'm going to send you quotes that Herr Wurzner is quoted as saying in this right. book. And I want you and to we'll read see. it as Herr Wurzner and incorporate them into the scene. Okay. 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 And I think I think I can get myself into the mindset of a sad retired <laughs> German yes. tax collector pretty well. <laughs> I, you know, by the end of this, you're going to love this man. You're going to be one of the same. <laughs> I guarantee it. So let's set the mood. We're in a small German village, right? Yeah. In the early 1900s? A, uh, yeah, the 1920s. Yeah. So Herr Wurzner, hello? Herr, yes? Yes. <laughs> Okay, Sorry, so, wasn't ready. Okay, I'm just I'm just prepping you. So yeah, wait, yeah. It, it is I, Herr Wurzner. <laughs> there we go. So um, Herr Wurzner was a village schoolmaster, an organist, and a bee fancier. Yeah, I fancy the bees. A bee is my wife. Straight to Borat. <laughs> <laughs> so trying uh, my best. <laughs> so summer and winter alike, he wears a woolen shawl round his neck. He cannot bear open windows. In the morning, he puts his room straight, doing everything himself. All the cleaning and scouring and needing no assistance. Well, I have to. My wife my wife is a bee. <laughs> she cannot help around the house. I have to do yeah. everything myself. Uh, Herr Wurzner then says, When I can do this no more, then they all will think, Now soon old Wurzner will soon be dying. <laughs> End quote. End quote. He, when he was still a student, he came home every evening sharp at 10 o'clock. And he says about that. You can go on the loose quite enough before 10. <laughs> yeah. What else can you do before 10, Herr Burtzner? Oh, you can, you can uh, neaten up the house even more. <laughs> even you more can huh? knit, knit things. You can make honey with the, the product of your bee wife. Your, bee fa your fancy bee wife. My fancy bee wife. And then you can make love to your bee wife. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not so sure about that, but. <laughs> Me neither, but 
I try every night. Let's talk about your meals, Herr Wurzner. He never went to a lunch house where one had more than one course. About that, he has this to say. What more does one need? Otherwise, one will only get led astray into silliness of some sort. Oh. And I have no I have no silliness in my <laughs> life. Just a married to a bee. <laughs> Nothing silly about that. <laughs> Nothing silly. Above all delicacies, he prefers pancakes. <laughs> and any kind of broth makes him thirsty. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and and here's here's how Herr Wurzner feels about women, which is why I'm not so sure he has a fancy bee wife. <laughs> he had his flame when he was at the gymnasium. Otherwise, <laughs> he did not pay much attention to the girls. He was afraid they would want to marry him. <laughs> he had an odd anxiety that he might have a diseased wife and sick children, or one oh. or other might die. That would have made him terribly miserable. Absolutely it would have. Let's hear your response, Herr Wurzner. My my response yeah. do I get a quote for this one or no. am I riffing? No, tell me tell me how you feel about, about women. Well yes, in in truth, my bee wife is imaginary because <laughs> an an imaginary bee wife will never get sick or die. So I I just clean up after my imaginary bee wife because I know she will never go wrong. That's never I, go wrong. I am a sad man. A sad man. Let's remember he is quiet and contented, but maybe not. That's happy. right. I well contented on the outside, <laughs> deeply troubled within. So this accent is wandering. I love it. I love it. Well, he's got one last <laughs> thing to say. Um, All right. This is. <laughs> I'd really. I mean, it is. I if if we took this out of context and I had to say where this man was from, I mean, yeah. immediately just with the B is my wife. I mean, it would have to be Kazakhstan, right? <laughs> We're just journeying around Europe. Yeah. We're hitting all the locales. Yeah, it's like every a, so often I bounce back to Germany. It's the best of. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's the best of yeah. Eastern Europe. <laughs> so this is the last quote that's given by Herr Wurzner, and it kind of sums up his whole outlook on life. So Herr Wurzner, take it away. If there is a God, then I have had the luck to come along this road. But if there isn't, then I haven't suffered any damage. So kind. Oh, what a what a what a so... wonderful way to look at life. <laughs> so oh. yeah. So the so the this part about Herr Wurzner is like ten times longer and covers oh, so much such just small details about his life. And there's like a bunch of these descriptions of people. And I guess it's to help other scientists get an idea of how to like categorize patients that they have. Sure. But I just don't see it as helpful at all. <laughs> so like so like a, a psychiatrist elsewhere in Germany would read this and, and say, all right, this patient that I have, he's a Wurzner. Yeah, yeah, he's a Wurzner. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, Kretschmer comes to three conclusions. And that's mm -hmm. one, that there's a clear biological affinity between the psychic disposition of the manic depressives and the picnic body type. So between bipolar disorder and people who are heavier. And that there's a clear mm -hmm. biological affinity between the psychic disposition of the schizophrenes and the bodily disposition characteristic of the asthenics, athletics, and certain dysplastics. So, oh, so that just everyone else is schizophrenic. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And then his third thing that he that he decides on is, 
and vice versa, there's only a weak affinity between schizophrenia and picnic, and between circulars and asthenics, athletics and dysplastics. So it's like, you basically, this is all made up, guy. <laughs> what a sweeping declaration yeah. to make, with no basis. Just really, no basis. Yeah, it just, this is, this is what I think is true. Yeah. And now that it's in my book, it's real. <laughs> you must believe. Look at how clenched my butt cheeks are. You must believe. <laughs> Kretschmer's thoughts actually ended up becoming pretty popular within the psychiatric community and, and a lot of his other things that he discovered. So one of the things that he discovered was something that he called apolic syndrome he discovered in 1940. It's known today That's as... That's when you've yeah. never looked at a Jackson Pollock painting. Yes. You are apolic. No, it's much worse. It's described oh. nowadays as persistent vegetative state. Uh -oh. Also known as Kretschmer's syndrome. And he noticed that patients who had severe brain damage would come under this state of unconsciousness that's partial arousal, but not comatose. And he right. was the first to notice this. And so they named it after him. Oh, well, uh, good for him, I guess. Good for him. Something, good for him. Something else named after him is Kretschmer's sensitive paranoia which is a combination of paranoid disorder with solitude and mental distress. Oh. So this is, I guess, probably patients that he noticed while trying to come up with body type personality <laughs> things. Noticed how anxious they were. Yeah, well, yeah, basically they're <laughs> patients who are depressive, anxious, and then resent the world while feeling excluded from it and are constantly putting <laughs> themselves down. <laughs> but really, they just resent Kretschmer for just, calling yeah. them a picnic. A picnic type. <laughs> oh, you are the, of the picnic type. <laughs> so another term that comes not directly from Kretschmer, but, but from his studies, is the term a picnic practical joke. Oh. And that is the phenomenon whereby a person who begins adult life as an asthenic or an athletic type becomes a picnic type later on. So somebody who's thin when they're young gets fat later. Right. In life. So is that sort of the the psychiatric term for a dad bod? Uh, yeah, I think so. A dad bod, <laughs> yeah. The 1940s term for a dad bod. Right. A picnic yeah. practical a, joke. A picnic practical joke. Yeah. Just in that, like, biology played a practical yes, joke on exactly you. exactly that, yeah. <laughs> the term was coined by an American psychologist named William Sheldon in the 1940s. And Sheldon was known for his own theory of constitutional psychology, which he developed in the 40s. And he categorized the human body types pretty much based on Kretschmer's theory. But he used the term, uh, he used the terms endomorph, mesomorph, and ectomorph, which might be more familiar to today's crowd. Have you heard those terms before, Emily? I feel like I have, but I didn't know they referred to human body types. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was like anamorphs. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yes, as well. Yeah. I, ectomorph is someone who turns into a ghost, <laughs> a ghost I think. Yeah. That's it's like Danny the, Phantom. Danny Phantom, yeah, exactly. Is an ectomorph. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Emily, what is the personality type of a ghost? <laughs> the personality type of a ghost? Well, you know, bipolar seemed a little bit left out, so maybe we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll give him another. We'll give him another. So so William Sheldon similarly associated his personalities and and moral characters to body types and because he was inspired by Kretschmer's work 
And one of the studies that he did, with the aid of a physical anthropologist named Ernest Albert Hooten, who, crazy name, and is his <laughs> own thing, which we cannot get into now. Oh. And Ernest is spelt like the word, not like the name. Oh, you think it was just, you think it was just his nickname, Ernest Albert? <laughs> yeah, he was Al- Albert Hooten, that Ernest old fella. <laughs> wait, wait till you hear what Hooten and Sheldon were up to, Emily. Hooten and Sheldon. Hooten and Sheldon. That's my band. That's it's a bad band if you're naming it after these two. <laughs> because these two took nude photos of every oh, no. incoming freshman at Harvard, Yale, and Princeton from the nineteen forties through the nineteen seventies. <gasps> that's such a long span of time. That's a long span of time. To be doing such a horrifying act. Exactly. Oh my god. They did this under the guise of using the pictures to gauge the rate of diseases like rickets and scoliosis in the student population. But it really wasn't. It was just so that they could have pictures of people to associate personality types to. Oh god. I mean, I guess it's better than they really just wanted nudie pictures of everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean... It's one step up, at least. I guess that's not <laughs> technically disproven. That's true. So, oh, Emily, God. we've been talking about, like, body types, measuring body types, you know, associating yeah. body types with personality types. Yeah, I feel like I've learned so much that I don't want to know. Yeah, so I want to move on to something else, Emily. Emily, what do you know about... Eugenics. I mean, eugenics. That's like Hitler, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of these theories were then used later on in the eugenics (laughs) movement. Um, Kyle, I just want to go back really quick yeah. and say that you were way too enthusiastic about uh, Hitler. <laughs> oh, you, yeah. You came in like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> He's here. We got Hitler babies on our podcast. <laughs> He's here? He's here. Oh, my God. Hello. <laughs> Your Hitler is Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so... Emily, there's a lot of specifics here that I won't get down to when it comes to Ernst Kretschmer and his relationship with the Nazis. But (laughs) obviously, his theories came out before World War II was in full swing, you know, in the early 20s. In its its prime. Yeah, in its prime. But definitely played a big part in the eugenics movement. I I, I won't say a big part. Definitely played a part in the eugenics movement. Sure. As did William Sheldon in America later in the 40s. But America and eugenics is weird, and we are not going to get into that today. But some things about Kretschmer and the Nazis, he was initially against the Nazi eugenics theories when they took control in 1933. But he... And he and he like was like he left some of the associations that he was a part of, like to kind of like be like, oh, I'm against the Nazi stuff. But he stayed in Germany as a psychiatrist. And then by the end of the war, he did not support the Nazi party, but he did start supporting the SS. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's safe to say, you know, we we on this podcast can indict him. (laughs) I mean, absolutely. We're not giving him any benefit of the doubt here. 
And I mean, the worst part, I think, not the worst part. I mean, eugenics is probably the worst part. But a bad <laughs> a bad part about this is like shortly after the war, he became a leading figure in scientific psychiatry and just stopped talking about eugenics. And like, I guess people Ugh. like stopped asking him about it. Like, hey, weren't you a Nazi? He just no. didn't talk about it. No. What do you mean? Me? The guy who organizes everyone into body types? Yeah. Play a part in eugenics? That doesn't <laughs> add up. So basically, Kretschmer's and Sheldon's theories have all been debunked, debunked disavowed, but some of their elements remain uh, as a part of modern day psychology, and, and especially in our current vernacular, and like those morphs were an example. You'll see those a lot, the ectomorph, endomorph stuff, in like body type personality quizzes that you see in like ads on websites you know Just they'll have like, like the picture of the, ones. yeah like the picture <laughs> of the pear-shaped person and the picture of the barrel-shaped person and what's right. your personality and they'll say ectomorph endomorph you know that that's those are that's like a way that, that those terms have kind of flooded into filtered into our um modern day vocabulary <laughs> One example of Kretschmer's influence on popular culture is the Supreme Court case Hannigan v. Esquire, Inc. And Hannigan v. Esquire, Inc. Yeah, we are just talking about the magazine company, actually, Esquire, Inc. Oh. So in 1946, the Supreme Court case Hannigan v. Esquire, Inc. was a culmination of a feud between the United States Postal Service and Esquire magazine. And the feud began in 1943, um, and it took three years for it to come to the Supreme Court. So basically, the Postmaster General in 1943, Frank Comerford Walker, felt that Esquire magazine and its pinup girls were too obscene for the public. I mean, sure. And he did not, he felt that the Postal Service should not be mailing them out. He didn't think that that was right morally okay for the postal service to mail out oh so how did that go over in court so he refused to accept the decision of a highly publicized hearing that ruled in favor of esquire and then revoked esquire's mailing privileges and that and then esquire sued him and the postal service got it so in the hearing they talk about one of the articles like at length one of the articles in an edition of Esquire magazine, and one of the articles they focus on is titled, Wise Men Pick Picnic Girls. Scientists oh. recommend for marriage the honest-to-God woman built as nature intended with more curves than brains. Oh, I was almost going to agree until just the last four words there really <laughs> more curves fell at the final brains. hurdle. <laughs> yeah. So he, they quote the piece in courtroom because they want... Um, Dr. Kenneth J. Tillotson to respond to it about, like, if he thinks it's real or not. And they quote it, Want your love life, your marriage, to be one long, joyous, satisfied picnic with the least amount of upset and snarl in it? Then pick yourself Ooh. always a picnic-type girl, never a leptosomasthenic type. <laughs> Don't blame the pun I'm... on me, but on the scientists who invented the word picnic to describe the kind of woman who it is widely agreed has so much more desirable a body and disposition, so much better adaptation to love, marriage, motherhood. <laughs> and they, they quote again and say, why do you need to be told all this? 
Because the picnic woman doesn't get the breaks as a rule in most beauty contests, model selections, or other preferments based solely I mean, on true. idealized eye appeal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. It's like, I, I, I want to agree with yeah, this article. I know. And it keeps, I, keeps making wrong turns. <laughs> you, you just can't. And, and so he, the doctor goes on and he's like, basically, this sounds like horoscopes and it's not real. <laughs> And and this position has been backed up by Carl Jung. So, I mean, this is fake. But in the end, Esquire won this court case unanimously, basically saying what, ironically, what Kretschmer had to say, that the postmaster general doesn't have the jurisdiction to decide what is good and bad. (laughs) Right. And the follow-up to this court case is that the decision led to an increase in pornographic magazines in the 1950s, (laughs) <laughs> which t- and it turned the pinup girl into an american cultural icon so it wasn't prior to this case oh it all it's 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 kretschmer's fault it's all kretschmer's freaking fault him and his picnic his picnic and it's clenched kretschmer <laughs> clenched kretschmer <laughs> so emily are you in for a game before we wrap up i am Always in for a game, Kyle. Good. I think you'll like this one. It's a short game and it's kind of simple, but maybe can get a little difficult. So let's see how you fare at it. The game is called Here, Here. H-E-A-R-H-E-R-E. Ooh. And we're going to, I'm going to give you an example. So I'll give you like a sentence and you're going to sum up that sentence in two or three homophones. Okay, so So this is like that puzzle that's in the newspaper, right? Yes. Got it. So if I say, a day at the park for the big boned, you might respond. Picnic, picnic. Exactly, you got it. Got it. it. All right, I'm with you. I'm with you, I'm excited. Okay, so your first clue is, finely chopped breath refreshers. Minced mints. Yeah, you got it. Hey. Okay, your next clue. This is a fun game. It's fun, right? (laughs) This is my jam. This is my jam. (laughs) Good. Um, I don't know if it's going to make sense to people listening, but I'm all about it. (laughs) Know this about Emily. She loves words that mean different things, but sound the same. Yes. It's my defining characteristic. Yeah. Okay. A hard as steel resilience. Uh, Hard as steel resilience. I'm not sure. Iron? No. Oh, metal, metal. Yeah, you got it. Nice. Yeah. Like M-E-T-T-L-E? Yes, exactly, yeah. Okay, this one is a quote from a story, say. The scaredy cat crouched in fear. The scaredy cat crouched in fear. Oh, coward, coward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Emily, you're good at this. (laughs) It's good. This is a fun little brain game. Good. Um, screw Wordle. Screw, screw Wordle. We, here, here. That's where it's at. Here, here. <laughs> Make it trend. Hashtag here, here. Hashtag <laughs> butter, no parsnips. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Singing marine invertebrates found in a reef. Singing marine invertebrates found in a reef. That's what you said? Yes, that is. Like like wh- whaling whales? In- whales whales? Invertebrates. I'm sorry, I forgot what invertebrates meant. <laughs> Not no spine. No spine, right. Where's the dividing line? Singing and marine invertebrates found in a reef. 
Okay. <laughs> My streak may have ended. Do you want me to give you this one? Yeah, give me this one. This one is Coral Coral. Oh. Yeah. This one's a harder one. It's three. And it's kind of tongue-in-cheek. I'm ready. This is a s'mores weight loss insta-post. A s'mores weight loss insta-post. I'm trying to think of what could even be another word for s'mores. Think about the last part and then try and find words that make sense. Yeah, so I mean, insta-post, I'm thinking like image, picture, Mm, selfie. More uh brand specific oh i think you got it graham graham yeah a graham 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 (laughs) (laughs) like graham as in cracker and graham as in the unit of measurement right a graham 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 a graham graham it's what a s'mores would post (laughs) if it lost a gram right yeah (laughs) Okay, okay emily i mean that's four out of five if you can get this bonus one then you'll be five for five. Then I get the free trip to Hawaii? You, you win the free trip to Hawaii, yeah. Great. Okay. This one's harder, okay? But kind of not. All right. But we'll see. <laughs> so I give you two clues for this one. This is okay. a purchase from an American electric plane manufacturer or a homophone of a famous NSYNC tune. Bye-bye-bye? Yeah. What's the third one? A purchase... So, so buy is the name of an of an American electric plane manufacturer. So oh, a bye okay. bye bye. Right. You got it. Bye bye bye. Bye bye bye. Well, the second clue definitely I helps. Know. <laughs> I mean, uh, who knows about buy electric planes? Uh, this yeah, podcast is not was... sponsored by buy electric planes. Um, but we're open to it. Yeah. If they're I mean, interested. Frankly, come on down. Come on, fly on down yeah. in your electric plane. <laughs> Emily, thank you for playing. Thank you for doing your research. Yeah, it's the least I could do. Listeners, thank you for listening. This has been Kyle. And Emily. And uh, we hope to see you next time on Butter No Parsnips. Bye, bye, bye. Thank you for listening to Butter No Parsnips. Butter No Parsnips is produced by Seth Glicksman, Emily Moyers, and Kyle Imperator. The theme music and additional music is by Kyle Imperator. If you liked listening to this episode, subscribe and give us a good rating and or positive review wherever you heard it. If you really liked listening, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. There you can get bonus content you can't get anywhere else, like the monthly Patreon-exclusive podcast Buttered Parsnips, where this month Kyle and Emily talk about the origins of the show and the meaning of its title. Your support means the world to us and encourages us to keep making more. Thanks in advance and we'll We'll be back next week.